All right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really sorry about the little hiccups and the delays and the technical issues we have sometimes in life, but that is the most beautiful thing about getting things done. If you want to say it, we get shit done in life when you, want, when you don't give up. And a beautiful man that I've met many, many years ago that has not given up on the crazy world of marketing is David. Now, I really, really had an absolute pleasure to meet this incredible man at a Tony Robbins event when this great guy with energy comes in and is able to match Tony's energy, which is not an easy thing to do. But what I loved about David the most is that David was able to give us something that Tony wasn't. It wasn't the energy. It was the absolute wisdom when it comes to understanding marketing, understanding your audience, understanding how to hack that ability to bring that audience to you without spending too much money, without making all those random mistakes that everyone does. And it gives me an absolute great pleasure to bring on to the Collective Genius Code podcast and to all of you who are watching us live, an incredible man who's authored I think 11 books, if I'm not mistaken. I know there's more than 10, that's for sure. The latest book is the Phanocracy. How do you say that? Phanocracy. Yeah, it's like, it's like democracy, but with fans. Phanocracy. Okay, well, David creates words. He creates, you know, kind of all these um, trends. One of the trends that I picked up many years ago when I met David at the Business Mastery event of Tony Robbins was newsjacking. David Meerman Scott, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Gil. It's so great to be here. I remember distinctly when I met you. I got off the stage and this crazy man came up to me and gave me a big hug and said, wow, that was such a cool presentation. So yeah, and we've had a chance to connect probably what four or five times since then so it's yeah, always, I know it's been always a pleasure to see you incredible. Gil, in person or virtually <laughs> so you are 12 hours behind us so it means that i'm in the future however every single time i meet you i feel that you are from the future oh thank you, you thank tell you, us thank things you that. that we are all making such simple mistakes when it comes to trying to bring our business to the next level trying to think ahead of the game, trying to understand what is going on in the customer's mind and how do we attract more people? So David- You know, I don't, I don't think of it as making a mistake, Gil. I think of it that if everyone is doing one thing, I want to do the other. So I want to share with you and with the audience some ways to do things differently not just do it the same way that everybody else is doing it. And that's especially important right now, because as we're recording this, we're in the middle of this crazy pandemic. You've been like in the middle of nowhere, enjoying yourself like on a fake vacation for some number of months. Um, And, you know, we're all figuring out how to live our life with this new normal. But what that means is that perhaps there's opportunities when you can't Mm. meet your existing and potential customers in person, maybe that gives us an actual interesting opportunity for how we can connect with them in a virtual way um, that might even be better than the ways that other people are connecting virtually. So cool, Um, let's dig in. I love it, words of wisdom. David, I wanna jump right in because I know that time is tight on your part of the world, especially you are keeping so busy and serving so many people. From the time COVID started and where we are today, have you seen something change in the world of marketing? And what is that secret sauce that maybe you could share with us? 
A couple of things, um, Gail, uh, that I'd like to share. Um, I first, first, let's talk a little bit about video, and then let's switch and talk a little bit about virtual events. Um, both are topics that I've dug into deeply. So let's start with video and how powerful video is. Uh, so a lot of people are doing videos and have been doing videos for marketing purposes for a long time. But the typical corporate video is either a highly produced kind of um, almost like a mini documentary. It's like this, people spend a lot of money on them. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're not intimate. Other companies create Q&A kind of dialogues, but those aren't intimate either because the way that they're typically shot is that it's two people in a room, they're, they're, they're facing the camera, but they're not looking at the camera. They're like this, and they're talking into like this weird kind of nowhere land. Um, so Gil, how's it going? Oh, it's going just fine, David. And like, you know, this is weird to talk like sideways like that. Um, that, that actually evolved from television interviews where you were, you were talking to someone who was off camera. But I, my daughter and I, when we were working on this book called Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers into Fans, it came out in January of this year. It hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Tony Robbins wrote the foreword, which is super awesome. And my daughter, Reiko, is now 28 years old and she and I wrote this together. She's a scientist. She did a neuroscience degree at Columbia University um, and then uh, has just finished medical school. She's now an emergency room doctor at Boston Medical Center. Wow. So Reiko is way smarter than me. <laughs> and what we looked at was the neuroscience between, behind what's happening in our brains when we watch video. And this is a little bit um, uh, a little bit convoluted, but super important and super interesting to understand why our brains are processing the video that you and I are creating right now in a positive way. Here's, here's what's happening. All humans, you, me, everyone watching, are hardwired to want to be part of a tribe of like-minded people. We love going to, for example, you and I love going to a Tony Robbins event because it's our tribe. It's a tribe of people. We know people there. We know the Platts, for example, or um, we've meet, we meet people, even if we've never met them, we know that we have something in common with people who are at a Tony Robbins event. It's a tribe of like-minded people meeting in person. So a neuroscientist named Edward T. Hall identified the different levels of proximity from one person to another further than 12 feet is called public space and our brains don't track people in public space inside of 12 feet between four feet and 12 feet that's called social space in social space we begin to worry about the people that get within 12 feet of us um, and in fact now when you when you talk about social distancing it means keep people in social space so keep them more than four feet away and so this idea of social space, because our ancient brains are kicking in when a hum another human gets within, within 12 feet of us, we want to know, is this person a friend or a potential enemy? Are they part of our tribe or not part of our tribe? 
So if you run across someone, say at a Tony Robbins event or, or somewhere else that you're safe and comfortable and familiar, you walk into a party with some friends, very positive human emotions when someone gets within 12 feet of you. If you don't know the person, it can be a negative kind of human emotion. And mm -hmm. even more important is closer than four feet, that's called personal space. And so if you get into a crowded lift um, or you get in, into a crowded train car, you can't help but feel uncomfortable because you don't know those people. That's your ancient brain kicking in. Okay, David, what the hell does this have to do with video? <laughs> so the idea with video is that there's another form of neuroscience which is called mirror neurons that kicks in. Mirror neurons are the part of our brains that fire when we see somebody doing something as if we're doing it ourselves, which I'm gonna demonstrate. You've seen me do this before, I think, um, Gil. I've got a lemon and I've got a slice of lemon here. So um, if I take a bite of this lemon, my brain fires like crazy. It's firing um, because my neurons are firing. So let's do that. Wow, so my eyes are watering a little bit and scrunching up and my mouth puckers up and um, my saliva glands are running and um, wow, it's powerful to bite into a lemon. But your um, neurons are firing too, your mirror neurons are firing, right? Gil, are you tasting a little bit of lemon there? Of course, man. And so this is super interesting. Now putting these two concepts of neuroscience together, the idea of close proximity and human connections and the idea of mirror neurons. If you use video the way you and I are using video right now, cropped as if we are about four feet away from one another, hmm. that's super powerful because our human brains process that as if we're in the same room. I know you're like, I don't know, 8,000 miles away from me. I'm currently in Boston. I know that intellectually, but my brain, my mirror neurons process it as if you and I are in the same room. So here's why this is so important with video. If you shoot video like we're doing right now, looking directly at the camera, informal, uh, talking the way you would talk if you were at a, at a party with somebody, you know, use your hands, gestures, um, familiar tone, you know, again, always looking at that lens. As much as I want to have my eyes go down, so I'm looking at you, Gil, which I'm, I'm doing now, I, I, I got to resist it. I know, I know, I make I got to resist it. I got to look at the camera lens. And so here's what's really, really interesting is this little simple technique putting videos all over your website. Every page of your website could have a video of you talking around something important. Um, putting videos of you talking to the camera on your social networks like LinkedIn. Um, these are really, really powerful things that we can do right now. And very few companies are actually using video in this way. I'm not talking about a Zoom call like we're doing right now. I'm talking about creating a video that you can put onto a website, onto your social networks, um, that you could perhaps even create a YouTube channel. Super, super, so super. Our videos, our videos, the, would you say the number one way of marketing yourself as a brand or a company as a brand in order to turn customers into fans? Or is there something that's even more important than that? 
Um, I'm not sure that I would say it's the most important, and I'm not sure that I would say there's something that is more important. But here's what, what's really interesting about it right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Very few companies um, can meet people in person, mm. uh, especially in the, in the B2B world. Um, people just aren't going on physical sales calls. Very few companies are allowing their employees to jump onto airplanes. There's no events. So if you, if you typically sell using trade shows, for example, or you go to events like, you know, you and I go to Tony Robbins events, which are not happening in the physical world right now. All of those things can be, um, you, you can use video to, um, to, not take the place as in completely replace, but you can use video to still have a powerful human connection because our brains are processing these kinds of videos as being super, super powerful. So I think this is something that's completely overlooked by the vast majority of people, the vast majority of entrepreneurs, the vast majority of business owners, vast majority, especially of technical businesses, B2B businesses, um, professional services, not even nonprofits are not using video enough. You go to a typical company website, you might find one video in a corner somewhere that was shot three years ago, but you're not going to find a video on every single page where people are explaining things to you um, by looking directly in the camera and shooting. Um, that's not happening. And that is such an opportunity for all of us. Mm, I love that. So for us, you know, for many, many years, um, we've always tried to turn our fans into customers. It was really interesting. We never really looked into turning our customers into fans. And something I've, I've learned from you a lot is, you know, how do we really um, differentiate ourselves and stand out? And you've given so many amazing life hacks to, uh, you know, to many of us during the Business Mastery and with Tony Robbins. And I've watched so many of your videos online. But if we think about some of the entrepreneurs that are currently listening to this live on social media or the many entrepreneurs that are going to be listening to the podcast itself, what is something that people must do these days, not just to turn customers into fans, but to hold on to those customers and not lose them? Yeah, so um, great question. So, um, you know, one of the things that we've learned, I've studied this idea of fandom now for 10 years. What, what, mm. Why do people become a fan of a company, a product, a service, an idea, or a person? And what it really comes down to is that people want to feel like they're part of a tribe. They want mm. to feel like they're part of a group of people. They want to feel like they belong somewhere. And we all are members of multiple tribes. Like in my case, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Grateful Dead. I've seen 75 concerts. I'm a huge fan of surfing. I'm not very good at it, but I love it. Uh, I'm a fan of the Apollo Lunar Program. I mean, I'm fans, fans of a lot of different things. And um, I'm a fan of Tony Robbins and the whole Tony Robbins community. And all of those things allow me to, to sort of form my identity. And so um, it's absolutely true that any company, and, and it can be a doctor, a dentist, uh, a commodity product, it can be a software company, any kind of organization, can develop a relationship with their customers such that they feel like they're a part of something, like they're part of something bigger than themselves or they're part of a tribe. Um, they're, they're somebody who 
um, feels like, yeah, I like that company a lot. I love that company. And, and, and here's the um, di di differentiating factor. When someone says, oh, I can't build fans, I say, of course you can. Every organization can build fans. And what that means when you build fans is that if there's another company that comes along in the product category that you're in, and they're either cheaper or faster or better in some way, will people leave you to go to the slightly cheaper, slightly better, slightly, slightly faster product. If you have fans, the answer is typically no. Um, you know, for example, um, Peloton has a huge number of fans, people who love to exercise with Peloton. What would you say if you're a Peloton fan, if some another company came along and said, oh, we've got a, a cheaper monthly subscription than Peloton, we're just the same as them. Every Peloton customer I've spoken with, I've probably spoken with about 30 of them. Every single one says they will not switch because they're a Peloton fan. Um, so this is the idea of building fans. Now, I wanna share with you, because people are skeptical, well, well, my business can't grow fans. I wanna give you two examples. Well, also, of, some people are thinking maybe it's too expensive or you need to be a big brand like Apple to grow fans. Or, not at all. For, for some people, they're thinking, well, I'm an entrepreneur, I got a small business, you know, and it, it might be it's over kind of, they, they think it's a whole different level of business. It's not. It's, That's it's what true. I'm thinking a lot of times. It's no, it's really for anybody. It really is truly for anybody. It's um, it's things like being generous and being kind and not thinking about how you're going to bring in revenue or profit initially, but think about how you can serve. These are this is language you use. I hear you use Gil this language a lot. Um, and so an example I love. Um, it's actually one of the opening stories in the book that I wrote is a company called Haggerty Insurance. They do classic car automobile insurance. You know, auto insurance is a category of product that everybody hates. You know, nobody likes auto insurance. I mean, are you a fan of your auto insurance company? Almost everyone says, no, what are you crazy? My car insurance company? No, I'm not a fan. But here's what Haggerty did. First of all, they specialize. They only do classic car auto insurance. Uh, a car has to be 25 years old or older for them to insure it. Um, and they've built a massive number of fans. They have over a million fans um, because the first thing they do is they go to classic car shows around the world and they display, they have a booth, they display and provide information. The second thing they realized was that because they insure classic cars and only classic cars, that they developed a database of the value of classic cars based on the valuations that owners of classic cars put on their vehicles. So they actually made that database available for free to anyone who wants to check out how much uh, a car that they have or they might want to buy is worth. Bill, that builds fans. Mm. Uh, they have a YouTube channel with over a million subscribers. That builds fans. Um, uh, they have a driver's club with 650,000 members where you can connect with other people who share the love of the same kind of make of car that you love. That builds fans. And Haggerty is now the largest classic car insurance company in the entire world because they didn't focus on selling car insurance. 
They didn't focus on being cheaper. They didn't focus on spending more on advertising. They simply focused on how they can develop more fans. And I interviewed um, the entrepreneurial owner of Haggerty Insurance, his name is Mikhail Haggerty. And he said, David, all we did was build fans. And then that built the business. I'm growing by 20% a year every single year. I'm now the largest company in the entire world in my niche. And I believe that all of us can do that. I truly do. If we focus on truly focus on what's important to our customers and not what's important to us. Awesome. I love that. Makes a lot of sense. And it's very, very simple. I, uh, I like that, you know, um, it's really great example of what they've done that doesn't need to cost a lot of money. It can add a lot of value to people. And that's how you build actually loyalty is if we look at the opposite side of especially now during COVID time, I like saving businesses. I like serving people, as you rightly mentioned. I like helping people avoid going through some of the pain that I went through. So yeah, if we're thinking too. about some incredible business people, entrepreneurs right now, who are going through massive pain, what mistakes are entrepreneurs making right now as we speak in the world of marketing? Uh, I think the biggest mistake I see, I see it again and again and again, I see it actually even more over the last few months than normal, is they spend the vast majority of their effort in marketing their products and services. It's all about, here's my product, here's my service, here's what, uh, here's what I'm offering. And the, the problem with that is that as soon as you lead with your product or service, you become a commodity. Um, you're not focused on the, the ex existing and potential customers. You're not focused on, focused on what I call buyer personas. You're instead only talking about your products and services. And you see it all over the world. You see it everywhere. It's especially prevalent with companies that focus a lot of attention on paid advertising, whether it's paid advertising on television or radio or newspapers or social media. Anytime you're paying for attention, by definition, most of that is product or service related um, advertising. But as mm. soon as you switch and you say, I'm not going to focus on advertising, I'm going to focus on providing value. That becomes much more interesting. And I want to share an example of that. Um, so, um, you know, a lot of people say to me, I can't do this because I, I run a commodity business. You know, so we have we, we live and breathe on this idea of advertising. And um, so I had an opportunity to interview the vice president of marketing of Duracell batteries, a huge battery company all over the world. And um, his name is Ramon Valentini. They have a cool program called Power Forward. And what Power Forward does is it provides free batteries to people who need them. In particular, they focus on natural disasters, fires like that are happening in California right now when the power goes out or hurricanes or floods or tornadoes or typhoons, anything like that where there's a disaster and the power goes out on the electro electrical grid. They have a series of trucks that go into that um, power outage and distribute free batteries. Because what they learned is the first thing that disappears from the store shelves are batteries. 
because people want to power a flashlight or maybe a portable radio or something. And that's batteries are instantly take uh, instantly sold. So what's interesting here is they don't go in and try to sell batteries with this power forward program. They go in and give the batteries away for free. Mm -hmm. In the last couple of months around the pandemic, they've given away over 10 million batteries to people in need. Now, um, this is huge for their business because when you're in need of, of, of batteries, and it's really important right now to have a, a set of batteries, and Duracell has a truck parked down the street, and you can just walk up and request, and they give it to you free. You don't have to sign any paperwork. They don't, nothing like that. You remember that. Mm. You remember that. Now, you know, certainly we're not all in the battery business. Many of us run very small businesses. So and what, to give it all for free, of course. And, and, and so what can we do to be kind and generous? What can we do right now during the pandemic that will attract people because we're being kind and generous? And, um, and I think every single one of us can, can, can come up with something that will be uh, in this realm of being kind and generous. And for many of us, that can serve as our marketing. Um, in my case, this is an, an example of me personally. It actually gets back to our, the very first question I only answered half of. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the second half of your first question, but also explain how I'm um, using this same philosophy in my own world of being kind and generous. Um, so in the last um, roughly five months since the lockdown in March, um, as you very well know, Gil, there are no in-person events going on in the world. And many companies are trying to figure out how to do virtual events. Uh, and so I, I decided back in March to dig in deep into the idea of virtual events. So I've interviewed um, dozens and dozens of companies that put on virtual events. Um, I've presented either as a paid presenter or as um, uh, in some cases um, um, a pro bono presenter at conferences. So I've now presented at I think about 40 virtual events since April. Uh, I interviewed some of people who are um, doing technology around virtual events. I interviewed people who have um, studios where you can host a virtual event. And I've put all of this data that I've learned into, I think it's about maybe 15 blog posts now and something like maybe 10 videos. And I've made all of that content free on my website and my um, social media and my uh, Vimeo channel, because I want to educate the marketplace who are struggling for how to create virtual events with the things that I've learned. In fact, just yesterday, I presented, I co-presented with Seth Godin, who's a good friend of mine. I co-presented at an event where there were um, 350 people registered and three quarters of those people were event planners. So people who actually put on events for a living and the other 25% were destination marketing people. So people who are looking to have events um, held in their city and these groups. Good of, event, good audience. Wow. 
it was a great audience, 350 people registered. And so I, um, what I did was I did this as a free um, pro bono. I did not take a speaking fee. I put the program together myself um, and because I wanted to give back to the community of event planners. I wanted to give back to the community of people who stage events in con other countries. Um, and uh, it was a fabulous success. It was the, they told me it was the best um, virtual event they've ever done. Um, and one of the elements I talk about in my, in my talk about virtual events is the element of surprise. And so I was talking about surprise, and then I had actually um, uh, worked up with Seth Godin that he would appear on, on my talk uh, unannounced. And, um, and it was super cool because I was presenting like I am right now in my little home studio. And then at the appointed minute, um, they turned on Seth's camera and microphone, bang, all of a sudden there's two people. I go, Seth Godin, what are you doing here? Oh my God, the most popular marketing genius in the world is in my conference. All right, David, I just wanted to stop by. And of course we set it up. But what was cool was that the audience, it was just transformational about the idea of surprise in a virtual event. You can talk about surprise for 10 hours and it's not the same as three seconds of having Seth Godin pop in. So um, anyway, this is a very, very, this is a very, very long way of saying that I practice this same idea myself. I try to give away as much as possible around this concept of virtual events. Now, how does that come back to me? David, you've spent, I've probably spent 300 hours researching, writing, and um, creating videos around virtual events in the last five months. How does that come back to me? Well, I've actually done, I think, 10 paid virtual speaking engagements so far um, that have come to me completely out of the blue, people I'd never met before because they had either read or watched some of my content or, or seen me speak on a virtual event like the one I did yesterday, um, that I all of it gave away for free. And then they say, I would like you to speak at my virtual event, David. I, I heard you speak at the event yesterday, or I saw your video, or I read your blog post, or whatever it might be. And I believe we can all do that. I think you mm. can do that, Gil. I, you're doing it right now. You're creating content right now, Gil, that's free, that, that helps to get people to become your fans. And, and it doesn't matter what business you're in. You can be a battery company. You can be like me, a, an author. You can be anybody and create something of value that will brand you in this pandemic as someone to do business with, and they will then be eager to do so. Mm. Awesome. That's so many golden nuggets and everything you're saying. I know we just have a little bit more time of your time left and everyone who is listening to this, make sure that you tune in because uh, next week at a surprise time, but we'll let you know in advance, David and I are going to jump on a private Zoom call and we'll get some questions and answers done with all of our VIPs from the audience. I'm excited about that. Um, David, I see you not just as a marketing genius, but I also see you as a futurist. I hope you don't mind me thank saying you. that. Because no, thank you. I appreciate From the that. first time I've met you, you, you've set trends. You've come up, you've coined terminologies that have made a massive difference in people's eyes. What's coming up next for all of us who are thinking, well, I got to pivot my marketing strategy. 
I got to a little bit change my algorithms. No, I do things. I got to change my funnels. What's coming up next for the average business out there who's thinking, oh my God, what's going to be maybe post COVID? So um, we talked a little bit about what I think is next. Um, and that is a true human connection. Um, I think that over the last decades, we've, we've drawn away from a true human connection. Mm. And we, we've done so because of things like the rise of social media, the rise of online marketing, which are all great. Um, but what that means is that many organizations have drawn away from a, a true human connection. And I think because of the situation we've all been in, in over the last five months, um, we all now crave those human connections. And we talked earlier about the concept of how video can, can recreate in our brains through the mirror neurons, this idea that we're actually together, you and I are actually together with one another and together with the audience. When you look directly at the camera, you appear to be about four feet away, your brain processes that as if you're together. But it's, you know, intellectually, it's not enough because we're not in the same room. So I think that once the world gets back to normal, whatever normal means, that the more you can make true personal human connections, the better you'll be. So planning for that will be important. Um, and I have another thing that I want to share. Um, I get I sometimes get emotional about this topic, but um, I believe that the algorithms de deployed by the social networks, especially Facebook, are evil. I think Mark Zuckerberg is evil. I think Facebook is an absolute abomination to the human race. Wow, we're live on Facebook as well. This is going to be interesting. There are, there are 2 billion people on, on Facebook right now, and the algorithms are tuned to polarize us. The algorithms are tuned to get one of us to hate another one of us. The algorithms are tuned that if you focus and start to in consume a certain type of content, they will feed you more of that content. It is tuned, those Facebook algorithms, to get you to go into rat holes of hate and that's absolutely wrong. Mm. I believe over the next year, there's going to be a tremendous backlash among thoughtful people. It's actually started already. A, um, a backlash against the algorithms that are deployed by the social networks. The algorithms also are tuned um, for racism. Here's why, because if you enter certain terms, the algorithm tends to bring up white people in certain terms, black people in other terms. It's driving racism, at least in my country. Um, and so I believe that Facebook is evil, that Mark Zuckerberg is evil. I feel that it is um, not a beneficial place for many of us to hang out. I. Um, you know, you asked me to jump onto Facebook Live and I agreed. That's the first time I've been to Facebook probably in about two weeks. Um, I think it is a dark, evil, nasty place. And I think that more of us are going to see that in the coming year. Such a powerful statement, you know, and, and parts of me definitely agree with you because 
one of the things I've been saying for, for many, many years, as you know, I've been teaching a lot about uh, human networking, the art and science of it for many years, the governments, corporations, and hundreds of thousands of people. And one of the things I tell people about social media, it is evil unless you understand how to use it in the most effective and beautiful and authentic way. If you don't know how to use it, and there are no classes on how to use social media in order to build a relationship, there are many classes teaching you how to use Facebook to convert people and sell them something. Yeah. So on that front, I completely agree. But if we just use that maybe to ask maybe one of my last questions, because I know our time is almost up. If we are looking at social media and we are looking at the world of networking, which is a world that's very dear to me, and I think we know this much about human networking, yeah. where does marketing come in there? How does networking and marketing gel together, especially right now in the coming days? Because you beautifully said it's more about the true personal connection, which I wrote down because I, I think it's so beautiful. But if people are not connecting offline right now, and some people don't believe, you know, that Zoom is necessarily that um, as personal as it could be. Is there something very simple that people could do starting today with their social media, for example, that would help their clients see this person cares? Something very, very simple and easy, and maybe even inexpensive. Well, um... Um, I think something that I've found to be valuable is that can you find people who might be part of your tribe on social networks and then bring your tribe to your own real estate on the web mm. as opposed to hosting people on the evil network? Um, so what I mean by that is that um, the social networks can do anything they want with your content. They can decide they want to show it to, uh, that they will show it to your um, followers, or they can choose not to show it to your followers. Uh, you know, um, if you put in a post onto, and this is true of any social networks, link, LinkedIn, whatever, you put a post in, that may or may not make it into your followers' feeds. They may or may not see it. It all depends on how the algorithm is working. Mm. So I'm wondering, can you bring people into your world? Can you create your own um, place that people congregate? For example, your own blog, your own video channel, whatever it might be, such that instead of aggregating people on the networks, you're aggregating people on your own real estate. You know, one, one of the things that is also true about social networks is they can, if they want to, can obliterate the content you've built years even building up. You know, for example, um, Google Plus was the fastest growing social network um, in the last decade. Google Plus ended up being hun uh, several hundred million people on Google Plus. And there were a number of people who dug in deep with Google Plus and spent hours a day building content on Google Plus. Google killed it. It doesn't exist anymore. That content all disappeared. Can you imagine if you spent two hours a day for five years building up a presence on Google Plus for your business 
And all of a sudden, Google says, sorry, just kidding. We're not going to host that service anymore and pull wow. the plug on it, which they did. Um, and that's happened with other social networks um, as well. Um, so I think that we're, we're, we're not safe if we're building a business on the social networks. Mm -hmm. We need to build a business on our own real estate, our own website with our own URL, our own blog with our own URL. And that's where we should be bringing people in my opinion. That's awesome. David, I know our time is up with you. So I'm gonna make sure that our team puts in all of your social media and your best website and the best way that people can reach you. My really last kind of offer to you, is there something that you need from myself or anyone else that's listening right now in um, your immediate life or business? I, um, I, I'm very grateful for everything you do, Gil, for you bringing me on and, and um, having me, giving me an opportunity to speak a little bit to your network. So uh, you've given me a gift and I really appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you very much for everyone who's listening to the Collective Genius Code podcast. Thank you so much. We're going to make sure to update everyone from social media on our VIP community to make sure you know when we're going to have a Q&A with David. David, thanks again. Have My a pleasure. Day. Lots of love, everyone. Take care, Gil.